Thanks for joining us for the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise. To contact us, call us at 208-331-4096. That number again is 208-331-4096. Now here's Joel Van Hoogen. Hebrews 11:24 through 26 says that Moses' faith was such that he sought the reward of Christ's reproach along with the people of Israel as greater than the wealth of Egypt. Moses' faithful pursuit of Christ brought him in close contact with the people of God when they were at their worst. Get this, following Jesus will bring you to be with his people whether you always like them or not. There's a call of faith that comes to individuals that brings us to identify with God in such a way that it also leads us to identify with God's people, even when they're not what we would like them to be. A great example of this would be Ruth. She's a Moabite. Her mother-in-law is Naomi. Naomi is a poor, pathetic, bitter, widowed mother-in-law, and she's of the Jews. But Ruth wants to be with Naomi. Ruth says, I want to identify with you. Ruth has adopted the faith of her mother-in-law. Her mother-in-law says, no, you go back to your people. No, I'm going with you. In in chapter 1, verses 16 and 7, Ruth expresses deep words of identification with Naomi. She says, wherever you go, I'll go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Where you die, I'll die, and there I'll be buried. I just point out to you that God doesn't just call us to himself alone. When God calls us by faith to himself, he calls us to his people. He calls us away from those old identities and those old passionate pursuits to be willing to be identified even in the lowliest state of his people. That's faith. That's what faith does. Here's some lessons for us. Faith demands we choose who we will be identified with and what people will be our people. Demands it. You know, I actually like reading books that are critical of the nature and the life of the modern church. I find myself attracted to them, you know, where someone is showing what are the problems and the flaws of the present day church. I like reading them and I don't like reading them. I enjoy them. There's one part of me that kind of enjoys me. There's another part of me that finds myself quite irritated. And I know what turns me and it's usually there in most of the books. I'm fine if a person is writing about it because of sheer love for the people of God. I find if he's writing about it because he yearns and longs for something better for them, but even as he writes it, he's writing as if he's in the midst of them. He's writing as if this is a part of our life, and oh God, be gracious to us and merciful to us. I don't like it when an individual writes it in an ungracious way, in which you can see he's kind of removing himself from the crowd. He's kind of looking at it and saying, yeah, you know, what people see is right, and he's in agreement with all the negative stereotypes that are so easy to pick up on the church. But when a person looks at it in some kind of critical fashion, I don't like that. It annoys me. It stirs me up. I think that when we speak of even about the church and its needs, we should never speak of it in such a way that we've removed ourselves from our deep identification with God's people. We should love it and long for it. There's actually no one who knows the faults of a person more like a mother knows her son's faults and even a loving wife. And yet when the mother loves that man and the wife really loves that man, they are able to speak the criticism that is the cleanest and the sharpest and cuts the deepest without maiming that person's character. 
What I'd just say is this, before you consider criticize other Christians or the local churches around you, you might check yourself first to see if you love them. If your criticism is born out of a burning love for God's people and for His glory to be set among them. Before you criticize, check to see if you're speaking from among them or if you've somehow moved away from them in your review of them. Also, just a little bit of advice to you, but try not to be harsh speaking about the people of God when you're speaking to those who are not of the people of God. Don't speak about them negatively or critically. Just a little bit of advice for you. Here, let's give you a third observation. Observe, you'll see this in verse 26, that Moses saw in the people of Israel more than the reproach of slaves. He saw the reproach of the one who was to bear their reproach. It was ultimately that person who would bear the suffering of Israel that Moses wanted to be identified with. Moses saw Christ through the people of Israel. Now listen, by faith, Moses saw the Messiah's presence and the Messiah's promise over these enslaved people. And I don't know exactly how this happened, but God related to Moses a sight of the Savior in the suffering of the people of Israel, and Moses was drawn to the Savior. Jesus said of Moses himself in John 5:46 that Moses wrote about me, about me. Jesus had identified himself in the suffering of the people in a way that no one else had done that was unique. You might remember what Jesus said to Saul. What did Jesus say to Saul when Saul was going to Damascus to persecute the Christians? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Jesus is revealing that he has identified himself. The Messiah has identified himself and brought himself near to the church and founded his own experience when the church suffers and when the Christian suffers. And now Moses calculated a greater glory it was greater glory to suffer with the Jews than to claim all the riches of Egypt because in their suffering, he saw the Savior walking and bearing their sorrows. And he wanted to be near the Savior. What does the Word of God say in 2 Corinthians 8 9? It says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. God's Word teaches us that Jesus bore our shame for us, that Jesus became weak for us, that He became obedient to death for us, that He actually became a slave for us. Do you know that? Philippians 2, 5-8. through This is from the Holman Study Bible. Just listen to it. Make your attitude that of Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, did not consider equality with God that something to be used for His own advantage. Instead, he emptied himself by assuming the form of a slave, taking on the likeness of men. And when he had become as a man in his external form, he humbled himself to become obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Somehow, in the suffering and the enslavement of the people of Israel, Moses saw the presence of the Messiah. And he wanted to be near the Messiah. It's actually interesting if you look at Hebrews eleven twenty six that it doesn't say this. Listen to what it does not say. It doesn't say Moses calculated the glory to be gained or yet to be revealed through the suffering of reproaches to be greater than the treasures of Egypt. Moses said, you look at I'll suffer all this because I know out of it there's going to be a greater reward for me. That's not what it says. Instead, what it says here is that he considered 
the reproach of Christ, greater wealth than all the treasures of Egypt, the sufferings of Christ, the sharings of the agony of Christ to be of greater value than all the riches that he could gain as a prince in Egypt, being identified in the misery and suffering and pain of God's people, the slaves of Israel, of greater riches than all the opulent riches that he experienced as the prince of Egypt. Paul actually said the exact same thing. Did you know that? 1,700 years later, Paul writes almost the exact same thing in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. Listen to this. But what things were gained to me, I have counted loss for Christ, Paul writes. Yet indeed, I also count loss all things for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for I am whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish, as dung, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I might know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being conformed to His death. I want to know Christ in every way. I want to know Him even in His sufferings. Here's another lesson for you. It's our final lesson. Faith prizes the person of Christ more than personal pleasure. And it finds in Christ its reward. We're going to sing a song here in just a moment called, My Goal is God Himself. Listen to it. My goal is God Himself. Not joy, nor peace, nor even blessing, but Himself, my God. Jesus was drawn into the suffering of His people, and He's still drawn into the suffering of His people. He's still drawn into the people who suffer for His namesake. He's still drawn to the people who suffer for the sake of the gospel. He's still drawn to those who are abused because they give witness to Him. He's still drawn to those who suffer as they labor for Him with hard labor. He's drawn to those who are forgotten and despised, but do it because they want Him to receive all the glory. And if God is there, drawn in that place, if Jesus is there in the midst of that suffering, Paul is saying, I want to be there with Him because I want to be with Him. And Moses wanted to know the reward of being with the Messiah to such an extent, to be with God to such an extent that he wanted to be with God in the suffering of his people. You know, on a, a purely ridiculous and human level, I kind of understand what this attitude is. There are few people that I will ever love more than I love my father. Every once in a while, a family member will correct me or want to correct me in something that I'm doing that they don't particularly appreciate by saying, you're just like your dad. They don't realize that that's not a good way to correct me. I kind of think, yeah, that's right. I'm just like my dad. My mother came to me just the last Sunday. She was scolding me because I wasn't singing the music the right way. I wasn't following, I wasn't following the right meter in the song. And uh, my mind went back to driving home in the church, from church in the car and my mom scolding my dad for the same thing. <laughs> she doesn't know what I'm thinking. I'm not going to sing by that meter next week either, right? <laughs> I like being identified with my dad. My dad was a pastor and, you know, he, he suffered at the hands of the church he loved at different times. He was misunderstood and he experienced profound disappointments and 
Well, I've encountered at times something like that myself. I found myself thinking at those times, Dad, you went through the same thing, didn't you? I'm pleased to share your company. I'm glad to identify with you in this. Well, it's kind of ridiculous in a sense. The fact is he's in a place where every tear is wiped from his eyes. He's enjoying the sweet glory of the Savior now. On the other hand, my Savior, my Lord Jesus, still is among those who suffer. He suffers for the sake of his glory and for their sake in order that the gospel might be shaped in them. He suffers brooding over them in prayer. He suffers feeling their misery and their reproaches. He suffers in the denial of those who deny themselves to take the message of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth. The great reward in identifying with people like that is we identify with Christ. and We get to know him in it. And above everything else, we want to know Jesus. That was Moses' reward. He was looking to something that he was willing to separate himself that was so great and so wonderful that he was willing to separate himself from all the fleeting pleasures of being the son of Pharaoh's daughter and all the treasures of the opulence of the great nation of Egypt of which he sat on the top. But he didn't want it. He wanted a greater reward. He wanted Christ. He wanted to be identified with God amidst his people. And so he went among them. And he found what he was looking for. And so may we. Thanks for joining us at the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. For a copy of this broadcast, just call us at 208-331-4096. Until the next time, may the Lord bless you.